Welcome to the Move the Stairs, episode 62. We are so glad that you are with us today. We're recording on March 23rd, 2022. And um, I'm very excited about this conversation, Sarah, aren't you? Oh my gosh, we are so thrilled to be joined today by Debbie Churgai from Americans for Safe Access, also known as ASA, to talk about why it's so important for the industry to invest in supporting advocacy groups to build and grow this incredible industry. That's right. You know, our framework for our conversations is how you can build brand protection PR right into your business plan. And today we're going to ask Debbie how belonging to an advocacy group will help you increase customer loyalty, the first leg of brand protection PR. Right. And then we're going to get into the second leg of brand protection PR, which is insider media relations. And we're going to talk to Debbie about how an industry group like ASA can help you build your media relationships. And then finally, to bring it home, we'll talk about the third leg of brand protection PR and get Debbie's thoughts on how your investment in industry groups like hers can increase your brand's resilience. So let's get started. Let's bring Debbie into the studio. Debbie, thanks Good so much morning. for joining us today. How are yeah, you? Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So thanks Great. for having me. <laughs> well, that is so fabulous. So let's get started. We are... Um, it's, so we all know a huge challenge for any cannabis or CBD company is building customer loyalty. And there are, I mean, so many companies and products to choose from. You could go on and on. Asa recently published the 2021 State of the States report. And by the way, I'm really impressed that you have that out so early in 2022. <laughs> so well done there. Um, but I'd love for you to talk about what are some of the key takeaways that you um put into that report? So our uh, State of States report, this is, I think, our eighth or ninth time doing it. We do it annually. And what we do is we analyze every single medical cannabis program in the country on how it's providing for patients. So it's not just like, is there a program? You know, it's what is the program providing for patients? And is that a positive thing or a negative thing? Because as you know, each state has hundreds of different regulations and laws and some of them are really good for patients and some of them actually harm patients um so we put all this data together and uh analyze every single state on how they're providing for patients one of the main things we learn from this report and the reason why we do it is to kind of highlight the areas of the lack of access that still exists within every single state. So no state was perfect. Every state has issues. Um, if it's, you know, talking about how you have to have a certain condition even to be part of the program or limits on the type of products you can buy or on the um, purchase limits that you can buy either every day or every month, um, testing regulations, so many things differ between the states. And unfortunately, a lot of these things are causing millions of patients within these states to not be able to either afford or access um, cannabis, even though they want to. So while it seems like the whole world has access, there are pockets of areas throughout the whole country, even in states with medical and adult use programs, where patients still cannot access cannabis. Well, I think that's fascinating and it's interesting i think everybody should know what's going on in their state but also in the states surrounding them don't you think i mean it's it's really important to have a really good idea of what your region's doing as well 
Absolutely. And that's actually one of the saddest things we see a lot. Um, there's there's patients that live right next to a state where if they lived in that state, they'd be able to access medical cannabis either because they have a certain condition or because they just have more of a supply where there's also uh, people that live in states where there's lack of supply and no patient protections or parental protections, things like that. So um, it's it's sad to see those states and some some patients even live in one state and work in another state. And as you know, it's federally legal, so you can't take cannabis between state lines. Mm -hmm. um, so we're seeing like a lack of of access in that kind of regard as well. You know, Debbie, it's interesting because education is such a, a huge part of building customer loyalty and trust, which is how you build those loyal customers I and mean, trust people buy from, you know, people they know, trust and like. So what do you think is one of the most important things that a medical cannabis provider can teach to their customers to kind of get going on that on that level of trust and building it up? When you say medical cannabis provider, do you mean like a dispensary or do you mean a, a, a doctor who's doing the recommendation? Let's let's have a suggestion for both. OK, so I mean, I, first, I think one of the first things when you're talking to a patient, you want to know what they want from the medicine. Do they want to feel energized or do they need something that helps them sleep? Do they want something that relieves pain in certain areas? Do they want something that relaxes them? Um, do they want something that, um, you know, helps them get out of bed in the morning? There's so many reasons. So it's really important to talk to a patient and pinpoint what is the purpose of this medicine? Um, do you want it for relief or for energy? Um, as we know, cannabis can be used for so many different things. Um, so I think it's really important to find out what type of medicine they feel comfortable with. You know, a lot of people don't want to smoke flour. And the weird thing is the assumption is that everyone's smoking flour. Like almost everyone I talk to, they kind of assume people are smoking, even kids, they assume kids are smoking. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people that we talk to, they don't want to smoke. They want to take edibles or oils. And there's so many different methods of administration. So it's really important to educate patients about that as well. Um, and then to talk about, you know, when and where they can take it, because a lot of people um, can't take it at work, they can't take it at home. Uh, there's a lack of places where certain people can take their medicine. So it's important to kind of see a whole picture before you just hand over um, some type of uh, medicine to patients. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about safe access and kind of bridging from, you know, the first question we asked you in the 2021 state of the states where, you know, you assessed the access level for patients in all states. Um, COVID changed so many things for us. Uh, you know, we saw barriers uh, that came down that allowed people to do curbside pickup for things. Um, you had telehealth in the industry. You had delivery. Um, but a lot of states have put an expiration on those rules. I know we've seen it um, here in Colorado. Uh, so, you know, you suggested business owners, the, the best thing that they can do to um, try and continue this convenience for their patients and their consumers is to reach out to their state and local governments. But is this also an opportunity for patients to do so as well? And if so, how can these businesses who are trying to help patients um, educate them so that they have the tools to, to make those requests to their local and state representatives. 
Well, I think, you know, businesses should understand that the amount of customers they have currently are just this much of the potential market. And I, I say that all the time. And a lot of people think that adult use is going to be greater than medical use. But if you think about it, patients, many patients need to take the medicine every day. And many patients need to take their medicine every day for the rest of their life. That is a guaranteed customer, lifelong customer. And when you have an adult use customer, they tend to be more, you know, kind of decide what they want to take while they get into the store or more flexible on what they can take and when they can take it. Um, so I think it's really important for businesses to know that with greater education, with less stigma, with less strict, weird, crazy regulations that these legislators and policymakers are putting on these programs, the potential for their business is so much greater. And that's why I don't understand why a lot of businesses aren't involved in advocacy. Um, so I think it's really important to educate the, your consumer um, on for them to be part of advocacy as well and to advocate for what they want and to be open about their medical cannabis use as long as they're a legal medical cannabis patient and feel comfortable with that. Um, for patients to spread the education, but also for um, um, dispensaries and anyone who really works in the industry should all be a part of advocacy and spreading this correct information. And That's a really good ACA, point. Yeah, I, I was just going to jump in really quick. It's a really good point that you you know bring up because these people who are taking um, cannabis are taking it every day for medicinal purposes. So they're probably going to know. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there a lot more about cannabis than you know maybe a recreational user who you know uses partakes maybe once every two weeks or so. So there is a great opportunity for um, the industry and the consumers to advocate on, on the behalf of this medicine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I always feel like I always try to encourage people to share their stories, even if it is a little uncomfortable, um, because we need to educate people that it's not just, you know, 20 to 30 year olds trying to get high. These are parents. These are grandmothers. These are, teachers. I even have a police officer who I talk to often who's a, who's a patient. They're, they're everywhere. And um, we're all just trying to help end the stigma in some way. And in order to do that, we all have to kind of be a part of that. Um, and I just wanted to say that, you know, at, what we do here at Americans for Safe Access is we make it really easy for you to be a part of advocacy. So we write letters, template letters, we send action alerts um, when things are going on in your state or federally. We make it easy. I think advocacy can be a scary thing for someone in a, in a business. But if you partner with someone like us, we'll make it easy for you to be a part of advocacy. Boy, that is a really good point. Yeah. Um, when somebody else is doing that kind of collecting up and heavy lifting, you know, you can partner and think of everything that you can get done without having to do it all yourself. So that's a great point. So, Debbie, you might know that all of us are former journalists. Um, we call that insider media relations. And our experience helps um, get clients ready to take advantage of every media opportunity and to look for relevant stories to pitch to the media um, and really positioning yourself um, as an industry leader and an expert who can give a great interview. And that means that the media is going to turn to you time and time and time again. 
So as we're talking about insider media relations, um, you know, as a leading medical cannabis association, how do you reach out to the media? Um, do you get phone calls? What's that experience like? Oh, yeah. Well, as the largest national patient organization for medical cannabis, um, we get inquiries, media inquiries all the time. So um, a lot of times, I mean, to be honest, I feel like there isn't a lot of stories about medical cannabis patients. It seems like the media is all about how much money the industry is making and all things like that. But if you ever see a story on a patient, there's a high chance that we helped provide that patient. So um, we have patients all over the country. Sometimes if you follow me or the organization on social media, I'll do a shout out sometimes. Like, do we have, for instance, next month, I'm looking for a patient um, who has epilepsy to do a story on. So um, sometimes we'll reach out to our communities. Sometimes I'll reach out on social media looking for um, a patient for uh, a media inquiry. Um, I love it when media reaches out for us to talk to patients and get their perspective because it's just so, so important to get the patient perspective. Um, and I, I wish that there would be more uh, stories surrounding patients and their needs. And that's what we try to provide. Almost everything that we do in the media, it's regarding patients. And we always try to have a patient perspective in everything we do. Love that. So, Debbie, you would really suggest that um, businesses, local businesses, reach out to their local news media and also be active on social media because there are a lot of people who still um, think about the stigma, don't understand what exactly is going on. Um, and uh, there's a lot of education to be done, but there's a lot of benefit from businesses to doing that. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. I mean, businesses have access to a lot of patients and um, well, at least some of them do, especially dispensaries. But um, I would also encourage like we always try to get someone to talk to a, to a laboratory, a manufacturer, a cultivator. It's not just about a dispensary. You know, it's the whole supply chain and get the whole perspective. But I think I really encourage businesses as well to um, you know, be a part of this, you know, hear from your clients, hear from your customers, um, share their stories, you know, if they're comfortable with it, but, um, you know, share their experiences with the media and you have this, all this access to all these patients. Um, and a lot of patients really do want to share their stories. So it's a great opportunity for anyone in the cannabis industry. It's interesting you bring that up. Um, because there, there's a lot of stigma. We, we've probably used that uh, term a number of times already on this podcast record. And stigma stirs up controversy sometimes. And a lot of times business owners, I mean, here um, in Colorado Springs, there are quite a few medicinal um, uh, cannabis places where patients can go and, and fill their prescriptions. Um, but a lot of times those businesses aren't necessarily comfortable with putting themselves out there to answer those media questions because they feel um, nervous. Maybe they think they're going to get ambushed. Maybe they feel like they're, they're unprepared for an interview, um, which is where you come in. Asa comes in. You can help them with that. So do you have an example of uh, where you teamed up with a business or uh, a brand and, you know, for a media interview or a campaign and it turned out really well? We want to hear your success story. 
Well, there, well, there's two of them. Let me let me say one of the biggest ones was so what we have what we call an um, advisory group. It's a behind the scenes advisory group, although we may go public soon. And this is a group of businesses, researchers, patients, veterans, um, oh, uh, patient organizations like health patient organizations not associated with cannabis all come together and we hear from them and what their needs are. Um, so when COVID first hit, I don't know if you guys know this, but what we did is we had an emergency meeting. I mean, I'm talking, it was like March 15th. We had an emergency meeting. We called a bunch of key stakeholders, businesses, medical professionals, lawyers, patients, everyone. We got together and we said, okay, what, what do we need? What, do, what are patients going to need during this time? And we came up with eight suggestions and guess what those suggestions were? Telehealth, delivery, mm -hmm. Um, curbside pickup, tax breaks for patients, and also um, um, multiple year registrations so that they didn't have to register every year. We had, oh, and to make cannabis essential. So we sent this letter to every single governor, governor in the country, uh, as long with regulators. Um, and we were happy to report that, as you said in the very beginning of this podcast, that several states um, created temporary um, benefits for their patients, including some of those that I just mentioned. Um, a lot of those states were happy to say that um, as of today, eight states have chosen to make at least one of those uh, COVID emergency measurements permanent, while the majority have um, extended their temporary measures. And only two states, Florida and Colorado, have allowed their COVID me measures to expire. Um, so that was a time where, you know, as soon as COVID hit, we knew patients were going to have a problem with the supply chain. We also recommended that the supply chain, meaning not just dispensaries, but cultivators, manufacturers, laboratories all remain open. And it was a great success. Um, and we were happy to say that, you know, patients, thankfully during COVID, most patients did not have a, a problem um, obtaining their medicine during that time. And I think for us, that was definitely a major success. Absolutely. Let's look ahead to sure. um, our next podcast where we're going to be talking to Megan Duval of FS Oil about how her farm has adapted and thrived during the sometimes chaotic demand and price fluctuations for cannabis crops. I think it's really telling, Debbie, how um, when COVID did hit and, and you kind of had the, uh, the super group come together to say, what can we do for these patients to make sure that they have access? You saw stories saying that patients had access as opposed to the opposite, where you had stories of people who needed this and couldn't get it. I, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. Particularly here in Colorado, we noticed that. And, you know, I, I think it's just another way that, um, you know, your group has helped businesses, you know, strengthen um, themselves to, to weather some of these storms. And we know COVID hit every single industry particularly hard. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is we try to help clients find the opportunity in every challenge. So I'm so glad to hear that, you know, your group was doing literally the same thing behind the scenes. Um, but now we're kind of um, entering that post-COVID realm where things are beginning to open up again. We're seeing challenges and regulations and businesses once again have to be prepared to uh, make sure the reputations are, are looking good um, to the general public and to regulators and to prepare for the unexpected. Because we know firsthand that when something happens in the industry that uh, people 
and their brand may not have been a part of, it can still impact them significantly. And we call this building a resilient brand. You know, and I know ASA believes in excellence in the medical cannabis industry. And you have a program called the Patient Focused Certification that ensures that patients, healthcare providers, companies, and regulators can depend on certified products to provide reliable, high quality medical cannabis businesses, products, and services. So do you think this type of certification increases a company's brand resilience and how much does it cost? Tell us a little bit about it. How much time does it take? What's give us kind of the lowdown. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as a patient organization, we get calls all the time from patients. What medicine should I take? What brands should I use? Things like that. For us, unfortunately, we, don't feel comfortable recommending something unless we know it's been tested and safe. So literally in 2014, a long time ago, several years ago, we created this program so that we could go in, assess, it's called third-party certification program. So we assess your program, we look at your SOPs, we look at your training records, um, make sure you're doing everything okay. We don't tell the government on you if you're not, we just, we tell you what to do to make it better. We provide you as part of the service, we provide you with ways to, to make your business more compliant, more safe, whatever, more patient friendly. Um, and that way we can tell customers, okay, we know this place is safe for patients. So we have on our patientfocuscertification.org website, we have a list of companies that have been certified. Unfortunately, those are the only companies that we will recommend for patients. I'm excited to say we just got our first uh, CBD product that we're uh, currently certifying and as soon as we're done i am so excited we're actually going to have a cbd product that we can recommend to patients and outstanding talk all right yeah. so super excited about that but as a patient org like i said we can't just take your word for it you know people ask us all the time almost if you look at a website of a company almost every company says they have the best medicine the purest medicine the cleanest medicine this is going to make you feel the best you know but unless that's been, you know, assessed, how how do you know that's true? Because everyone says the same thing. Unfortunately, the industry just isn't, because it's not required, the industry is like, nah, I don't really need you to come assess my stuff. <laughs> and so they've, they've had a, uh, you know, only the, I would say the best companies that are very, um, sure of their product and what they're doing are able to come to us and say, okay, you know, certify me. I, I, I know that I'm doing, I know that I'm doing good for um, patients and consumers. Um, but I do think that it really would help companies be able to stand out a bit. Say you're ASA certified, you're PFC certified. This means you are guaranteed safe for patients. Your records, your procedures have all been third party assessed. Um, and so, it's a great way for businesses to stand out. It's about, I think, um, $5,000 for a dispensary, $7,500 for a um, cultivator, and I think $10,000 for a manufacturer because that's the biggest. So it's really just how much work it takes, which I don't think is a lot of money at all <laughs> um, to be able to certify your company as safe. Um, and we also have a training program that goes along with that, um, where you can have your uh, all your employees trained. It's an online program. As a manager, you have access to all their training records so that 
when the state does come to ask for that, you'll have all your training records in one place. Um, and it's a really great program for businesses to be a part of and to just a small way to say, A, they, they helped advocacy because anything that they do with us it goes towards advocacy and B, that they care about patients and want to make sure that what they're doing is safe and compliant for them. I also think it builds trust. I mean, we've certainly seen um, some bad actors in different in every industry. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. Every industry has bad actors and they seem to get a lot of press. Um, so if you have something on your website that says we went the extra mile and this is what we do. And even in a situation where you could be the person who's talking to the media in a situation where there's a bad actor out there and they want a local perspective on it. And you can say, we, we have gone to this level. I think it really builds your credibility with your customers. Absolutely. Definitely. And we encourage people to put the seal, you can put it on your website. You can put it on anything, you know, let people know, let people know that you, you are willing to be third party certified. And that's a level of trust that, we don't see in a lot of companies. Um, yeah, it's a great. I, I don't. I don't understand why businesses don't do it. But um, <laughs> you know, I think anything in in this big industry, anything that sets yourself out um, right. different, is definitely worth a try. Well, it's all about transparency, right? I mean, that's really what you're talking about: credibility and transparency. And we know those two things are absolute components of building a strong and resilient brand. You know, the other thing that um, kind of rattles in my brain here is um, as companies should be doing this, should be certifying their their products and working through you, um, they should also be looking down the road because who knows what's coming. I mean, you've got to like be proactive, but then you also have to think, um, I'm going to have to be reactive at one at some point. Um, what do you think is the most important issue that companies should be preparing for now um, so that they're not cla- caught flat-footed later on in 2022 or 2023? Well, that's a great question. I mean, honestly, I think it is regulation. I mean, because, you know, like I said, we created this program in 2014 because here at ASA, we always have a five-year future view. So what are we going to need in five years? So sometimes we do things that are a little bit before their time. Like we were talking about CBD back in 2012, you know, like we're doing things before their time because we're always thinking. Um, And so there is a lack of um, accountability with a lot of businesses now. And a lot of businesses are happy because they're getting away with things. but I tend to think that that's going to end soon and that there is going to be a requirement for these third party certifications, just like there is in, in other industries, you know, in the herbal industry, it's a big thing. And, right. and so um, they're all open for it because they're used to it. Um, in the cannabis industry, it's a little bit new, but I do think in the future um, that there are going to be more eyes on, you know, businesses making sure that they're doing things properly and that they have that accountability, like you said. So for me, I think that's one of the major things to look out for in the next few years. Debbie, we know how important um, education is in this industry. And I thought you brought up a great point earlier. The people who are using medical cannabis um, aren't necessarily smoking flour. In fact, many people aren't. They're they're using other medications such as edibles. So um, education being 
as important as it is for ASA, uh, we know that you're getting ready to embark on a new educational campaign and you're looking for some decent funding on how to do that. So it's a great opportunity to get involved with ASA. Can you tell our listeners how they can do so? Yeah, a lot of, like I said, a lot of businesses want to know how they can help um, Mm -hmm. be a part of advocacy. Um, And it can be a little bit overwhelming for them because maybe that's not their forte. And so, you know, partnering with us on a campaign is a great way to, you know, um, get your name out there, show people that you care about this, this issue, um, but without having to do all the work. Like we will, we got the campaign stuff. We got the you know, we know how to do that work. We got the contact with the legislators and things like that. Um, so yeah, recently we had this amazing campaign. Unfortunately, I can't say exactly what it's about, but it's a really, <laughs> really, really, really important issue that especially patients and consumers um, um, care about. And we unfortunately lost the funding last minute. The donor decided to back out. And so right now we are looking for some donors, some companies um, to help us with this campaign. So if you're a company out there, you're looking for some ways to get involved with advocacy, please contact us. We will make it as easy um, for you as possible and do all that we can to also then promote you as a company that does care about um, advocacy. Where can they find you, Debbie? So our website is safeaccessnow.org. And my email is Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, at safeaccessnow.org. Feel free to contact me or go on our website. Everything on our website is free. Uh, We have a ton of educational information because, you know, it is for patients. Free to download, free to read. We have a ton of resources. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and we are on Twitter and Facebook and, um, Instagram, just look for Americans for safe access and make sure you look for the national org because we do have chapters all over the country. So you can also feel free to join the chapter pages if you see one of them. Um, so, um, but yeah, please, please, anyone who's interested in, in doing more for advocacy, please feel free to reach out to me anytime. I think the only way that I didn't hear how people can contact you is via carrier pigeon. So thank you for being so <laughs> thank you for being yeah. so open. And you know, we hope our listeners will will outreach to you if they're interested in getting involved. And thank you again for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, that was oh a fantastic God. interview. Debbie Churgai from Americans for Safe Access. Um, we, I learned a ton. I don't know about you guys, but I learned a ton. I, I've got so many notes written down here. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I loved where she was talking about all the patients that are out there and that the medical patients talk about loyal. If you can get the medical patients to come to your business, especially people who are going to be uh, taking the medicine every day and probably for the rest of their life. My goodness, what a difference that could make in your business. And educating them is one of the ways to get that customer loyalty. Well, and not only that, but once you've got those patients and those patients are educated and you've built those relationships with them, now you've got an amazing tool for reaching out to media. Because one of the things that we know from working with media is that um, they always want somebody to tell a face to put in front of that story to say, hey, this person is using this product for this need and this reason. 
And then here's the story behind it. So once you've built those fabulous relationships, I think it's, um, you know, Debbie really explained how she's able to tap and meet that need for media all around the country, which is amazing. Yeah. And what's coming in 2022? Debbie thinks regulation. So now is the time to act and make sure that you have those third party um, certifications, because what we have right now um, are certifications out there. But with uh, a nonprofit like ASA, you have that upper echelon of certifications. You can proudly display that you have checked all the boxes for your brand and the products you're providing um, for your patients uh, and your customers are, are those that have, you know, gone through a rigorous testing and, uh, cycle and have been uh, given the AOK uh, from that organization. It's going to be really important moving forward. It really yeah. is. And it's a great way to build the industry. And I think that's so important that you're building the industry based on credibility when you work with an organization like ASA. So we're thrilled that we got to do this interview today, guys, aren't we? Oh, yes. for sure. Absolutely. And, and, so and we just want to you. thank you, right? And and say we're looking forward to uh, to our, our next podcast. But every time you listen, we really appreciate it. We know you're really busy and we want to give you information that's very actionable. So thanks for taking the time to listen to the Move the Stairs podcast today.